thank you all for joining us. This is episode 14, number 14 of the Fucking Marks podcast. As usual, I am Bobby the Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. Sorry, that, that was mid sip I'm sorry, that was my fault. I, but I, that's I terrible. Should, I should... I, I actually, I'm I'm sorry for that. I really am. That's like when the waitress comes around and asks you if your food's okay. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. All right, so, you know, we're, uh, a lot of big things going on in professional wrestling this week. We had the return of Goldberg to Monday Night Raw, uh, setting up his uh, big match, and it appears that it's going to be happening at Survivor Series against Brock Lesnar. You said it wrong. Brock Lesnar. That's much better. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of excited for this match. I know a lot of people will be like, well, this happened before, and it's a bunch of, you know, part-timers or, like, a guy coming in for a one-shot. And this this doesn't help them long-term, and I agree with that. But, you know what, sometimes you have, like, they're doing a lot of things for the new era on the Survivor Series pay-per-view. This is just a special attraction. And one interesting thing that Goldberg said, he's like, you know, not only is Brock Lesnar next, Brock Lesnar is last. To me, uh, to most people, that would probably signal that this is a one-shot deal for Goldberg. I don't necessarily agree with that. I almost think this is like... If Goldberg loses, it's now tied up one-to-one. I think we may see a a rubber match, maybe a Royal Rumble. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that that's something that is going to be definitely talked about. Um, Did think it was interesting that Goldberg did say that not only is Lesnar next, but he's last. Um, They're actually doing it at the right pay-per-view. I was thinking about that this should be one of those things they should have saved for WrestleMania, but... The fact that it's the uh, Survivor Series, and they're actually trying to make it like an old-school Survivor Series-based match and everything, or with the Survivor Series-based matches and everything, uh, like we said last week in our podcast that was brought up on SmackDown, uh, General Manager and Commissioner Daniel Bryan and Shane O'Mac O'Mac challenged the Raw team of Commissioner Stephanie McMahon and General Manager McFoley to three Survivor Series-based matches, but it would be the best of Raw versus the best of SmackDown and the regular superstars, the best of Raw's women versus the best of SmackDown's women, and then the best of the tag teams for both shows, Raw and SmackDown. Obviously, you're, you're going to... And you that know, was accepted on and it Monday. It was accepted, yep. And obviously, you're going to need matches because you can't just go in there with three matches considering, you know... And you're taking up all of your, like, top-notch players, so... Right. You know, when they say they're getting the best superstars from Raw against the best superstars from SmackDown, that means AJ Styles needs to be on a team. That means Kevin Owens needs to be on a team. Because otherwise, you're not getting your best players on the field there. You mean Captain Cupcake? Captain Cupcake. Yep. That's going to be Kevin Owens' new nickname is referred to here on the FN Marks podcast. He's no longer the prize fighter Kevin Owens. He is Captain Cupcake. Well, you know, one interesting thing with that is uh, we had a little fun with Twitter and Kevin Owens on uh, Monday where uh, everything was hashtag Kevin Owens Cupcake. And uh, check out our uh, Twitter feed if you're not following us on Twitter. Uh, 
VF underscore N Marks. Uh, a lot of fun stuff with that. Uh, we, we put together a picture with a meme that was kind of funny. Uh, you can check that out there, or you can check it out on our Facebook page, VFN Marks on Facebook. So uh, check those out and uh, enjoy them. Uh, but as far as Ooh. the Survivor Series oh, match goes... I'm sorry, Jay. I wanted, I wanted to bring up one more thing. Um I forgot to mention, because you did bring up Twitter and you did bring up Facebook, I would like to bring up the fact that now we are on Instagram. We are the FN Marks, T-H-E-F-N-M-A-R-K-S, all one word, on Instagram. We have some of those funny pictures as well. Uh, so definitely follow us on Instagram now, too, to go with our Facebook and our Twitter pages. So we're just covered all our bases on social media. Yeah. Yeah, we just need to get a YouTube page, but unfortunately I don't know if I have enough time in my life to put together a YouTube page that actually has a bunch of videos that are awesome. Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a good idea as that is about getting a YouTube page. I'm sorry we're getting a little off topic pretty early in this, but I, I think the fact that we have a lot of our videos already on our Facebook page, and if people already you know are tuned into our Facebook page, they can see some of those funny videos, like the video of Bobby the Brainless doing a shotgun of a beer. So, I mean, they're, they're, they could definitely see the videos on there, maybe sometime down the road. Who knows? Sure. Hey, I mean, well, possible. We, we have a lot of great stuff from when we went to see NXT on there. Uh, in Norfolk, we've got a – I put together a little funny political video when uh, Tim Kaine was announced as Hillary Clinton's running mate. By I, God, that's got to be Kane. So I cut together a little video for that, and uh, we're hoping to put uh, a few more things like that together. Nothing like self-promoting ourselves. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just dropping the ball tonight. I apologize. So anyway, yeah. So to go back to Survivor Series, uh, we were talking about Goldberg and Brock Lesnar being a part of the pay-per-view with all the matches and everything. Personally, I think that what they're going to be doing with these cross-brand matches where they're going to have the standardized Survivor Series-based match for the top stars for Raw and SmackDown, obviously with the women's and with the tag teams. I think it's a great idea, great concept. I did bring this up to you earlier in the week, and I definitely wanted to bring this up in the podcast tonight. Um, in regards to the tag team and women's divisions of both Raw and SmackDown, I really do think that the two brands are very different when it comes to both of those divisions. The women's division on Monday Night Raw is very top-heavy with the Sasha Banks and the Charlottes and the Baileys, who were three of the best women in the division, along with Becky Lynch on SmackDown. But after those three on Raw, it's kind of like, you know, what do we have? It's like they have this monster Nia Jax that they could do something with, but pretty much she's getting squash matches and matches against Alicia Fox on main event. Well, with Nia Jax at this point, I, she's still very green, and they want her to come off as uh, a monster heel here. I think uh, what's going to end up happening, I think Nia Jax is going to be the sole survivor, and she is going to absolutely destroy everybody, but having her in a match like this will help kind of hide some of her flaws as a performer, so they're going to use this, I think, as something to push her higher up the card, and you're going to see her in that Charlotte, Sasha, and Bailey mix, I think, sooner rather than later, and I, I think if you look at both women's divisions, it's kind of the different philosophies of how to push somebody higher up the card 
where SmackDown you got a consistent level of people who are all, you know, even Stevens kind of. Well, I wouldn't say it's like even Steven booking, but I'm just you have different people. You have multiple storylines with the women going on at once that all feel important, where right now on Raw you only have one really important storyline and everything else is kind of... I can't even do it. Because you have Carmella and you have Nikki uh, Nikki Bella Bella and you got... uh, Naomi. Naomi, and she's kind of been feuding with just about everybody. And you you have... uh, the Irish last kicker who is coming back sooner rather than later. I think she'll definitely be back in time for Survivor and Series. And she, she, she's going to be back before Survivor Series because she's defending her title November 7th or 8th in Scotland against Alexa Bliss, That's a match that was supposed to happen a few weeks ago before Becky got hurt. So, you know, you have a few storylines going with the SmackDown women where really there's just one on Raw. And, again... Neither way is wrong or right. It's just different ways of building it. If you want to have two head honchos there on Raw, build it that way, that's great. And hopefully everybody at some point gets their chance to, you know, reach for Vincent Kennedy McMahon's brass ring. Right. Uh, Also, I, I feel the same way about the tag team divisions on both shows. I feel that the Raw tag team division is very top-heavy, where you have the teams like the New Day and Enzo and Big Cass, and you have Anderson and Gallows. And, you know, they're trying to promote the new tag team of Sheamus and Cesaro. It's like, really? I mean, like, what are you guys going to put for the fifth team? Who's the fifth team going to be on that? Whereas on SmackDown, you have teams that are going to be left out of this thing. What do you, I mean, what's Raw going to do? Put the Shining Stars on? Really? And Golden Truth? Really? Well, you need somebody to job out. Oh, well, true. Uh, well, I mean, are but, they doing it? Is this going to be five teams or is it four teams? I think it's going. I think what they said was going to be five on five, five tag teams versus five tag teams. It's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Like I said, Monday Night Raw is definitely more top heavy. The top three tag teams on Raw are better than the top tag team on SmackDown, in my personal opinion. But I think two through five are more impressive than three, uh, four, and five on whatever Raw could do. Because with SmackDown, they have teams like the Hype Brothers who are fantastic. The Usos definitely can hold their own against any of the tag teams on Raw. You got the Hype Brothers, very good tag team. Wow, twice. Hype Brothers. Did I say They're twice? really hype. Did I you say know twice? What? You know what you're probably thinking of is American Alpha. I'm sorry. The American Alpha, very, very solid young tag team. Hype Brothers. Hype very Brothers. Very solid tag team. Silverdome. Hype Brothers, again, you know, because they're so good. You gotta, they're so nice, you got to say it twice. So, but I mean, you got teams like the Vaude Villains, and you have teams like the Ascension. And oh, by the way, I almost forgot about the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Rhino and Heath Slater. Yeah. So I mean, you have a lot of tag teams on SmackDown. You can choose, and there's actually going to be tag teams that are going to be left out of this Survivor Series based match because you have so many on SmackDown. Whereas Raw, it's like you know we're going to basically put Sheamus and Cesaro, having been a team for a month, really. Excuse me, as one of the tag teams in this in this thing, but then that pretty much leaves out guys like Sheamus and Cesaro that could be on the five on five normal tag team match. Granted, I understand with that you can have a team of Seth Rollins and Roman, Roman Reigns and 
has and, went there. And, you know, and Captain Cupcake himself and Chris Jericho and, you got, hell, you can even put Braun Strowman as the fifth guy. Who's really going to beat that team on Raw? You know, whereas with SmackDown, you could put a team together of John Cena, Randy Orton, uh, Bray Wyatt, AJ Styles, and The Miz. Or Dolph Ziggler. Uh, or James Ellsworth. Or Jake... Let's not... He's beaten the the world champion twice. Okay, now I remember because there was I said to you earlier this week that there was two topics I definitely wanted to discuss during this podcast, and the first thing was the first thing we just talked about was how the women's and tag team divisions on both shows are pretty kind of they're kind of different in the way that they are, and another thing is is this whole James Ellsworth thing. It really. I really do think that they're screwing this whole thing up with James Ellsworth getting victories over AJ Styles. It really bothers me. Does it bother me because of the fact that it's James Ellsworth who's not really like a WWE superstar and he's getting these chances at a, you know at title matches and everything? No, it has nothing to do with that. It's the fact that they, they have James Ellsworth come out in back-to-back weeks and beat the WWE world champion, a guy who beat the two-time world heavyweight champion, who lost to Braun Strowman in a two-minute squash match. So basically what they're saying is that the world champion of SmackDown isn't even could basically get squashed by the the freaking Sasquatch on Raw. It's pretty much what they're saying. They're just they're they're like it's like they're watering down what the world heavyweight championship should be. I don't know why they're doing it. I mean, I get, I get why this whole James Ellsworth. I have a, 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 a different approach to this. I don't like the fact that they've turned the uh, a storyline for the World Heavyweight Championship into a joke. I don't like that at all. That being said, it, it every once in a while you can have one of these things where you have a guy, whether it's like a Zach Gowan or when Santino Morella first started. The Milan Miracle. Right. Once in a while, you could have this. Now, as terrible as having this like little comedy bit with James Ellsworth is, it really, it, it seems like it's supposed to be furthering the storyline between Ambrose and AJ Styles and... You know, this is just a different way of getting that thing to continue on without it being the two of them, you know, head-to-head each week. Because if they wrestled every week, people would get bored of it. But, again, I don't like the fact that they've kind of turned this into a comedy angle. This is supposed to be your most important, biggest heavyweight championship in your company and, you know, kind of treating it like a joke. So I I really don't like that. But I'm not completely offended. I, I know a few weeks ago I said, you know, with T.J. Perkins losing in the Cruiserweight uh, match against, uh, what's his name there? Brian uh, Kendrick. Brian Kendrick. I, I was pissed off about that. But that's because Brian Kendrick is an actual serious contender. Right. And when you do, when you have them lose to a serious contender in a non-title match, it's like, well, what the hell did you do that for? At least with James Ellsworth, it's like non-serious. So like AJ Styles losing to him, it's like, eh. and mean, and AJ is a heel, so him losing, 
This mm. is this is just like the same shit they were doing a few years back when they had the anonymous raw general manager, or they had the celebrity. I'm sorry, not the anonymous raw general manager. When they were doing the celebrity general managers every week on Raw, and it was basically like Seth Green's coming out, and he's like, I'm going to be general manager tonight, and WWE World Heavyweight Champion Randy Orton's going to fight me. And, you know, it's it's kind of like how they were doing back then when they were doing all that, because it was always, the you know, the heel world champion, I believe it was Randy Orton at the time, was basically getting these ridiculous matches, like it's Randy Orton versus, you know, John Cena, and a Randy Orton's got his arms tied behind his back, or... Randy Orton's going one-on-one against Seth Green, where John Cena's the referee, or it's Randy Orton going up against 12 clowns in a match or something like that. You know, it's just, and he's losing all these matches, and it's like, you know, this guy's supposed to be your WWE World Heavyweight Champion. This guy's supposed to be the face of the company, and you're treating him like uh, a a mid-card guy or a jobber. So, to kind of wrap this all up, I hope they finish off this storyline with uh, Ellsworth soon. Kind of with James Ellsworth, one of the things I think they've done, they've built up some goodwill with people just based off that stupid little promo he cut, and they keep on having him be the underdog, kind of overcoming things. I wouldn't mind seeing him in the Royal Rumble being one of the first couple in the match, lasting a little bit and then getting eliminated because I think the the very big crowd at the Alamo Dome is going to feel sorry for this guy. This guy, whoever throws him out, is going to get booed beyond belief. So if it's John Cena that throws him out, that would be awesome. What if it was Roman Reigns? Oh, I mean, that, that building will be so loud. It's going to, to me, be reminiscent of when Sa- everybody thought Santino had a shot of winning the Royal Rumble against Del Rio a few years ago. The crowd was going bonkers, wanting him to win. And when he got thrown out, I mean, Del Rio, who's the heel, was paraded with booze, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Now, if they want to get somebody paraded with booze, you, if you want some guy to be a top heel or at least you know get a lot of heat on them for the night, you have them throw out James Ellsworth. You know what would be the perfect person to throw at James Ellsworth? Captain Cupcake? Chris Jericho. I don't even think he's going to be around. I know. I'm just saying, as a, as, a, as a fucking mark, that would be the one guy I would love to see eliminate James Ellsworth would be Chris Jericho. Just because if there's anybody who would love to get some cheap pot, you know, some cheap heat for doing something like that, it would be Chris Jericho. He'd call the fans stupid idiots for, you know, booing him for throwing out Ellsworth and... But we'll get into that a little bit later on down the road when we get closer to Royal Rumble. We'll discuss stuff for, like, the Royal Rumble and everything. So uh, where do you want to go next? Raw? Do you want to go SmackDown? Do you want to do it out of order? Does it really matter? Do we do we want to talk about TNA and how Billy Corgan has a lawsuit against uh, Dixie Carter? Yeah, let's do TNA. TNA. Impact Wrestling. You're the only person in the in the planet that's actually proud of wearing that shirt right now. Hey, you know what? I I've seen a couple of TNA events uh, in my day, and you know I always had a blast at them, and I kind of feel bad for what's going on with them right now. I don't. They they're a bunch of really good workers who are currently on NXT, who used to be in TNA, and there are a bunch of really good workers there right now that could be out of a job soon. 
I don't feel bad for TNA. I feel bad for the people working. Oh, I absolutely at TNA. agree with that. I'm just saying, as TNA in general, like Dixie Carter, I couldn't. I could care less. I, if she go, you know, if they go under and they go bankrupt, because that's been the talk this week, is that TNA is going to file for bankruptcy very soon because they're out of money, and Billy Corgan is coming out with this lawsuit because he's out money with TNA and everything. Uh, th- th- there was an update to the lawsuit. They they kind of. Uh, revealed a few more things today. Uh, basically, Billy Corrigan, uh, the deal that he made with Dixie Carter was he would give them money, and if they were declared like insolvent, he would become the majority owner right. of TNA. Well, Corrigan's lawsuit is specifically saying... TNA right now is insolvent because the amount of their assets is less than the amount of their debt. So they are, you know, by all accounts, they are insolvent right now, and Billy Corrigan should be the majority owner. And the the folks at TNA, corporate, are more or less saying, oh, no, 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 we, we're still solvent, this, that, and the other thing. To me, it sounds like, you know, there's a lot of personality issues, I think, there, where there are some people that don't like Billy Corrigan, namely Dixie Carter. She doesn't like Billy Corrigan, so she's doing everything to prevent him from buying TNA, despite the fact that a few months ago she needed him to come in on his freaking silver horse to save, like, television tapings and pay-per-view tapings. So... You know, it's like she's trying to save face and say, hey, we're not insolvent. We're still doing all right here. They're not doing all right. They really, Billy Corrigan right now wants to take over the company and wants to take them in a new direction. And they should stop, you know, biding their time and letting this, let this crap play out in court. What they really should do is think about the freaking people who are working for them right now and think about them. Don't think about saving your own face. Dixie Carter, no matter what, is going to be fine. Her family has hundreds of millions of dollars. She is going to be fine. Who cares if she saves face or not? Billy Corrigan wants to buy this company, wants to take it forward in a direction that he wants. Legally, according to what we saw in some of these documents, he should be the majority owner, and I think a court's going to decide that soon. Uh, there were things that held up what the, the some of the motions for this uh, court date, where there's an outside group that more or less is going to infuse cash into TNA, and when they do that, more or less they're trying to kind of push Corrigan out the door. Lots of complicated shit. It's kind of stupid this whole situation with TNA. I I, really I think don't. it's a lot of ego and yeah. pride right now. I really don't like Dixie Carter. I've said it on numerous occasions on this podcast how much I don't like her. She's just a bitch. There. I said it. I don't know if she's necessarily uh, a bitch. I I just don't think she knows how to run her company. And, you know, she was doing her best to try to get as much money as she could for the company. She's a bitch. And when she had her chance, she, she blew it a few weeks ago when, you know, Everybody's like, oh, WWE's involved. 
They could have probably gotten a little bit more money back then, but I think the problem right now is they have so much debt that nobody wants to buy it. Billy Corrigan, by all accounts, probably should be the owner right now, or at least the majority stake shareholder. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think Billy Corrigan should be the majority owner of it. I mean, personally, I would love to see Vince McMahon do it, but it's not going to happen. Well, the thing is, is if Vince bought this stuff, TNA, the wrestling company, would cease to exist. He would just own the library. And, and Broken Matt Hardy. But there are only a few guys that he would bring over from TNA to go into WWE. There are certain guys, like like a guy like Rockstar Spud, who I think is a brilliant performer, but he's such a small guy. He might be able to fit in the cruiserweight division. He, I think he's hey, hey, definitely hey. A, a, a character, uh, but... I want to refute that right now, just because of the fact that, let me ask you a question. Who is the first ever WWE Universal Champion? Captain Cupcake. Oh, wait, no. Finn Balor. And Finn Balor is smaller than I am, correct? Rockstar Spud weighs about 130 pounds. This just proves that Bobby the Brainless is just brainless when it comes to TNA and their superstars. I mean, I know... Broken Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy and Aaron Rex, who used to be, who is the superstar formerly known as Damian Sandow. And, you know, they had this whole thing with Cody Rhodes and everything. But, okay, fair enough. I'll give you Rockstar Spud. Rockstar Spud's a small guy that probably would not get a legit shot. He would probably, he'd probably do okay for himself as a manager. That's about it. But, but hear, me, hear me out, though. Like, if WWE were to do that, where they bought out TNA, you would get one of those matches that you would you said you would like to see in a Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar match. Because I'm pretty sure Brock, uh, Bobby Lashley would be one of those guys that they did bring over from TNA. I know he had his differences. Thank you very much, Michael P.S. Hayes. And Asshole. Jerk. Even though I still want to dress up like Michael P.S. Hayes for Halloween. But, you know, I know that they've had their differences in the past. But, I mean, we, we've we seen that, you know, relationships can get mended. I mean, look, I mean, Bruno San Martino was mad for decades, and he came back. Lashley, uh, in recent interviews, has more or less sounded like he would not be against going into WWE. It sounds like he really wants to have this match with Lesnar. If TNA, you know, goes away, which, honestly... If you ask me right now, I would say over 50% chance they're going away soon. And I think we'll possibly see Lashley at WrestleMania. I would love, if they're going to build up this match properly, if they're going to have Lesnar against Lashley, it would kind of need to start at the Royal Rumble. So TNA would probably have to fold fairly soon. Uh, if not, we'll see Lashley and like the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which would be cool. But I would rather see him against Lesnar. Just think of it, though. If the WWE and Vince McMahon buys TNA, we will get the dream match that everybody's been clamoring for for months. Not even weeks, months. We would get the Eater of the Worlds versus... Broken Matt Hardy. And the fact that I, there's a twinkle in my eye when I say that, that there's a dream match and Matt Hardy in the same sentence, 
is nothing short of a miracle because God only knows that Matt Hardy is the worst wrestler in the history of professional wrestling. All right, one question I have. If that match were to happen, I would love it to happen. Would you want to see it actually at WrestleMania, or should they do it similar to like the Roddy Piper Gold Dust match at WrestleMania 12, where they <laughs> pre-taped a lot of it and it was awesome? Would you want to see it like either at the Hardy Compound or the Wyatt Compound, or would you want to see it where it starts like at the Hardy Compound and somehow they get in like a freaking car and they're chasing each other down, down and they end up at the Wyatt Compound or something ridiculous like that? Because honestly, this is one of those feuds where they could really like make it so over the top, it would be entertaining beyond belief. I would like to see it go down like this. I would like it to be like where WrestleMania was the rubber match between Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Like, they, they kick off the rivalry at the Hardy compound, and Bray Wyatt shows up, and then, you know, they have the second match, or they can have the first match at the Wyatt compound. They can just, you know, flip-flop, and they can have one match at Hardy's compound and the other match at... Wyatt's compound, and then it just kind of, you know, resolves at WrestleMania. That's what I would like to see. I'd also like to see somebody come out of Sister Abigail. Honestly, for me, uh, there aren't too many women out there who uh, have kind of built up, been built up enough and kind of have the character that would be in that Sister Abigail realm. Personally, I would love WWE to get ODB yep. to be Sister Abigail. She is known to wrestling fans, not necessarily known to a ton of WWE fans, but I think she would fit in well because, I mean, her character was a drinking, you know, crazy redneck. You know, I don't know if they'd want the drinking part part of her character since they're PG. But you want her to be a crazy redneck. Yes. I have a better solution for a sister abigail or a better suggestion different different one yes i think it's the one that actually showed up at the wyatt compound when they had their little feud with the new day i would love for them to bring in mika rotundo to be sister abigail because it would it would make a lot of sense because a she technically is sister abigail as it is also with um Mike Rotundo, he has two of his kids already employed. She gets along with a lot of the superstars and divas in the in the I'm sorry, female wrestlers in the WWE as Superstars. It is. Stars. I think she would be an incredible addition. She doesn't even have to work as a wrestler. She just can just you know be a valet. A valet as Sister Abigail. And she technically wore the mask and had the dress on during the thing. I know it was her. She took pictures from the compound from that night, so that would be my choice, personally. As a Mark, I would like to see her be the Sister Abigail for Bray Wyatt. I see where you're coming from with ODB. Well, I love she ODB. She could perform in the ring. That's part would, of my thing. Yeah, and I would love to see ODB. Believe me, I would love to see that. There's a lot of women out there that I would love to see join the WWE. She's one of them. Velvet Sky is another one I would like to see come in there. Uh, speaking of Velvet Sky, another, another rumor that kind of came out this week I would like to bring up i mean because fuck we're a, we're a wrestling podcast and that's what we do we talk about we're fucking wrestling. marks we're so. fucking marks so bubba ray dudley and his brother devon at SummerSlam wrestled their last match in the wwe bubba ray dudley went out to do his own little thing after they had their match 
and Devon has now become an agent. Bubba Ray has been teasing, and I know it's caught your attention. Definitely. A debut in the WWE of Bully Ray. Bully Ray was probably the best thing going in professional wrestling like three or four years ago. The character is hilarious. Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, on the mic, is outstanding as this character. Like, he was always good. First out, Hall of Famer. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, always very good on the microphone, but as this different character, as Bully Ray, I think he really took it, like, up a few notches to a level that, you know, you had never really seen before out of him. Really, really awesome stuff, and I hope that we see him come uh, Royal Rumble time. I That seems to me like the right time to bring him in, and that gives him time to build up that character, to have some sort of meaningful feud going into WrestleMania, who it's with, who knows at this point. Just think about it, though. That's the one superstar that if he came in as Bully Ray, where you're happy and I'm happy. Because you get Bully Ray, because, like you said, one of the better characters in professional wrestling three to four years ago, still a fantastic performer on the mic. And me, the selfish person that I am, I get my spirit animal back. And nothing makes me happier than having Bubba Ray part of the WWE. Any Bubba Ray Dudley is better than no Bubba Ray Dudley. So, Bubba, if that's the case, if you're actually considering this, Please, I'm begging you. Make it happen. Make it happen. I want you back in the WWE. If you come back, if, and I'm going to say it now, and I will bring it up again, if Bully Ray comes out during the Royal Rumble, I'm going to have to write this down because what I'm stupid sure. stupid human trick are you going to do? I'm going to come up with something good. I don't think I, I'm going to come up with something off the cusp right now. I want to really think about this. And the podcast right before the Royal Rumble, I'm going to come up with a fantastic idea of what stupid thing Bobby the Brainless is going to do. Because believe me, everything I do is brainless. I will Believe have... me, Trump speak. Nice. Wrong. 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 Nasty woman. Exactly. Wrong. What? <laughs> Who? What? But I will have something set up that if... Bubba Ray Dudley, or I'm sorry, if Bully Ray comes out during the Royal Rumble, I will have something good cooking to do for his hopeful appearance in the Rumble. All also, right. also open to suggestions. So if you want to tweet at f at the f and marks on Twitter and give me your suggestions, f the f underscore, underscore n, n marks. marks. I apologize. I'm open to suggestions. Sure, I will not kiss a goat though. All right, so we've deviated so much. Uh, Oh, we just got a question. Yes, Nakamura is still in NXT. He was injured for uh, just a little bit and uh, recently came back on TV, and he is going against Samoa Joe coming up at NXT TakeOver in Toronto. That is the night before Survivor Series. Nakamura, uh, we saw him recently at NXT in Norfolk. Uh, you know what? The crowd absolutely loves this guy. And this match against Samoa Joe is going to be 
epic. I feel it. Also, Nakamura is not just only still in NXT. Nakamura is the NXT champion. I had to bring that part up. I'm sorry. Absolutely. All right. Hideo Itami is another question that just came in. Hideo Itami is actually, he was injured, came back briefly, and he's injured again. Surprisingly, he's the J.D. Drew of NXT. Unfortunately with uh, Tommy, th- this most recent injury, uh, <laughs> really, it-, it was just bad luck. He took a body slam, and I, I don't know whose fault it was, but somebody uh, messed up his neck a little bit. I think he's going to be out, I think they said somewhere around six to eight weeks, whereas if he needed surgery, it was going to be six to eight months. So, you know, Tommy really, the poor dude, Every time it seems like he's starting to get some momentum, ends up, you know, hitting a brick wall at some point. You know, he was supposed to be with uh, Kota Kota Ibushi for the Dusty Classic on NXT. I would have loved to see those two guys together, and unfortunately, because of Tommy got injured, you know, just not able to perform right now, and got TJ Perkins as his partner partner now and oh that's such a downgrade that we don't get the man who steals everybody's finishers because he's hurt gets replaced by the cruiserweight champion the man who won the cruiserweight classic tj Perkins. so sad the guy who stole cm punks and daniel, daniel Bryan's, Bryan's finishers or, or not you know i it's so sad i'm sorry i'm sorry i i, I weep at night I, every night i feel like i need to smack you now just for our audience i'm you know what I'm surprised. You know, this is episode 14 of the F and March podcast, and you haven't smacked me yet. I really am. I'm surprised. I'll lay the smack down later. <laughs> All right. So, you know, with with Raw, like, this week the show, like, there was so much that was so blah with it. Thankfully, at the very end, they had Bill Goldberg show up, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. And for me, that was my markout moment of the week when Goldberg came out and, like, did his thing. But in general, this show just kind of sucked for me. You son of a bitch. I, I know that we, we said, both you know, had this I same said, I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it. I fucking knew it. You know, I won two weeks ago where I finally ended the streak, Goldberg, against you. And I won again this past markout moment of the week when I said Eric Young being part of Sanity was a bigger markout moment than whatever the hell yours was. I'm sure it was Dolph no, Ziggler winning the Intercontinental title. You know, you know, you had your moment. Dolph Ziggler won the title. Yeah, great for him. I had to wear the stupid Dolph Ziggler shirt last week during the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Young is bigger than Dolph Ziggler. Clearly. Absolutely so, not. But I do agree with you on the whole Monday Night Raw thing. Monday Night Raw is just a bore. And I've been, I know you've been saying it for a while. I know I've been saying it for a while. And I know a lot of people have been saying it for a, a while. Monday Night Raw does not need to be three hours long. Well, in talking about our di- discussion a little earlier, they're building these different divisions, you know, off of one or two storylines. And they have a longer show, yet SmackDown, the shorter show, seems to be building everybody up at the same time, which makes no sense to me. If you have three hours, you should get more storylines in that mean something to people, and yet they don't. And yet, what we get instead 
is a 20-minute promo to start Raw with Roman Reigns where I'm I'm a, I'm asleep halfway through the promo because it's just him, you know, talking about nonsense and how wet his hair is and everything. I just, you know, I the problem with Raw is that, and I said it to you, I was ready to fall asleep at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, fuck, we have another hour of it. Literally, it was just knowing that Goldberg was coming up was what kept me awake. And Michael Cole being in the ring at 10.59 was ridiculous. You know, people got to work the next day. I'm sorry. I don't need to be staying. I mean, granted, I'm not disappointed that I waited for Bill Goldberg. Cause that also, was an amazing moment. Also, Bill Goldberg coming out was my mark out moment of the week, so we don't have to do the poll this week. Which is, well, it, it was just an amazing moment. I, I knew that both of us were know, going to agree with this one this week. I mean, it's not the first time either. There was nothing else. Like, there were other great moments this week, but honestly, was there anything even in the stratosphere of this? I mean, the crowd was bonkers. Yes. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, hey, hey, this is awesome. Of course there was something else. The, 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 the time when Kevin Owens ate a cupcake? No, fuck it. Kevin Owens, Captain Cupcake himself. No. Sparkle Crotch. Sparkle Crotch was pretty good. But it wasn't worthy enough to be mark-out moment of the week. But any other... I mean, if, if Goldberg had not come out, that would have been ultimately my mark-out moment of the week. But Goldberg coming out, you know, walking through the backstage area, and all the wrestlers are backstage, and they're clapping for him, and they're cheering for him. Thought it was fantastic. Everything they did with that was fantastic. He cut a great promo. I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to Goldberg and Lesnar. Obviously, Goldberg knocking on 50's door, and Lesnar, the the beast that he is, should be a once, in my opinion, a one-sided match. But either way, still want to see it. Still was hyped to see Goldberg. Love seeing him out there. Do want to bring up one thing that did happen during the whole Goldberg thing is when Michael Cole was introducing Goldberg to the fans on Raw, he labeled him as the greatest champion in WCW history. I mean, Michael Cole should have just went out on Tuesday, flew on a plane to Sting's house, and to Hulk Hogan's house, and to, obviously, Ric Flair's house, knocked on their door, had them open the door, and just punched them in the balls. Because pretty much that's the same thing, because saying that is pretty much the equivalent of getting punched in the balls by Michael Cole. It's weird for me with the WCW title because WCW was more or less NWA before that, and Flair was probably more known for NWA than he was WCW. He was the champion, obviously, for a lot of time. He's the greatest champion of all time, after Bruno San Martino. But, again... That was mostly NWA, not necessarily WCW. WCW and NWA, like, I think it was around 89 when it became uh, World Championship Wrestling. Flair held the title several times. I would, to me, he probably is the greatest champion. But if you're talking about the guy who got the most butts in the seats is during the streak and what have you, if you're talking about the hottest guy they ever had with the championship, Bill Goldberg was the guy. I would say the second closest would have been Hogan after he turned heel and was Hollywood Hogan. If you're talking uh, heat versus how much you're over, 
everybody hated Hulk Hogan when he became Hollywood Hogan and ended up booing him, the amount of boos that he got were, like, immense for a long time. So Goldberg or Hogan, as far as intensity of like or dislike, for me would be greatest. I would say, personally, just because as a fan of WCW, my favorite wrestler in WCW history is Sting. I would say that Sting was a better world champion than Goldberg because... But I mean, I understand, I understand at the height of his popularity, not... you know, with Goldberg winning with, you know, the streak and everything, and then he beat Hogan for the title. After he lost the title to Kevin Nash, where he got tased by Scott Hall, and he kind of just, he really wasn't the same after that, especially after he was punching out the windows on the limousine for the NWO, and he was out of action, really just never regained who he was before that. Personally, longevity-wise, character-wise, popularity-wise, how do you go against Sting? I think Again, that Sting I'm, is... I'm going with height of how popular they were. Like, if you're talking comparisons, think about this. Steve Austin did not have as long of a run as Hulk Hogan. But, but, if you're talking about popular... In the most popular era, who is the guy? Steve Austin. White hot for like two or three years. If you're talking More longevity. Like five, but... it, was, it was the 1997 Royal Rumble where he started to make his climb. And he was a lot more popular than the two well, or three years. Well, he started making his climb at he, the 96 King of the Ring. But he really separated himself and became... The guy that everybody wanted to see escalate into the top echelon was when he won the 1997 Royal Rumble. Also, he's the only superstar to win the Royal Rumble three times. But again, this goes back to if when we're talking about this greatest champion of all time, and with Austin in particular, you know he wasn't champion as long as Hogan, wasn't champion as long as you know, like Sam Martino or any of those guys, but he was the guy during the most popular time in the company's history. And Bill Goldberg was the guy during the most popular period of WCW. And he was the champion. And that's, I, I could get why, why they say he is the greatest champion in WCW history. Obviously, you could argue for days with Sting, with Hogan, with Flair, whether or not, again, that's more of a longevity thing, and that's more of, like, who was the guy who you actually would brand as, like, who was the guy in WCW? Sting was the franchise. He was champion several times. So I I couldn't argue against Sting, but... An argument could be made of Bill Goldberg, most popular guy during the most popular time. I'm just going to admit this right now. But it, was, but it wasn't for a long time. It was short-lived. I'm, I'm going to admit this right now. I am actually genuinely surprised that you and I actually argued about this 
topic. I really am. I'm I'm surprised. I figured you would be right there with me. I figured you would have said it was either Flair or Hogan or Sting. I really do because those are the three guys I really think of. Not to discount what Goldberg did. If if Michael Cole had said one of the greatest world champions in WCW history, without a doubt, it was no question. He definitely got the hottest. He definitely got the strongest pop of any superstar whose name wasn't Mick Foley or Daniel Bryan when he won the championship. Even, I mean, I think we, just well, in we professional both, wrestling history, we both watched uh, recently when he won the U.S. title. The pop against Raven, against Raven, and all of Raven's flock. Have you ever heard a pop like that? Like outside of like Austin, yes, or The Rock, yes. Not too many people. I can I can name one that we actually brought up earlier in this podcast when Santino actually emerged in the forty man over the top Royal Rumble that Alberto Del Rio def- ended up winning at the end. That was one of the loudest reactions I've ever heard. Was when when they actually thought that Santino can pull off the greatest upset since James Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, since, since James Ellsworth beat Dean uh, uh, AJ Styles. It's the Dean Ambrose. I know. Luckily, you caught yourself instead of me just saying the Hype Brothers twenty-seven times when I'm talking about all eight teams in the tag team division. But you know that, that that's. Uh, Hey, James Ellsworth, Hall of Fame. First ballot, you I'm, think? I'm, I'm, do you think James Ellsworth belongs in the Hall of Fame more so than Coco Beware? No. Uh, Barry Horowitz belongs in the Hall of Fame before James Ellsworth. But that maybe that's just me. Because I know he will get in before Benoit. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, pretty much. Um, you know, I could have said something very... Very offensive, but you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play the hey, I'm gonna hey. take the high roll I'm gonna take the high road and I'm not gonna do it. All right, I'm just not gonna do it. Unfortunately for what Chris Benoit did, he will not be in the Hall of Fame ever. Piece of crap. You know, unfortunately. Um, but the fact is, is that you said that Coco Beware is the benchmark of what the Hall of Fame is. He like is he, the low mark. He is he is the second worst person in the WWE Hall of Fame, right after Drew Carey, because Drew Carey is the one guy that definitely does not belong in the WWE Hall of Fame. Sorry, I'm not sorry, but that's just my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna end that right there. I'm just I I'm just yeah. I blame right. the I blame the beer. So, you know. Sparkle crotch, sparkle crotch, on Raw. What one of the most fun things going on with uh, Raw this week? But again, kind of closing up the WCW thing. I, I have nothing against them saying greatest WCW champion of all time. Uh, if if I were to rank them, I would say Sting is the greatest, just because he was the icon. He was the guy who finally overcame the NWO. He had several title reigns. But if you're going by... Future first ballot Hall of Famer, by the way. Already in the Hall of Fame. Goldberg? No, Sting. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I must Have another out. drink. Have another drink. Uh, Goldberg Sting versus Goldberg, WrestleMania 33, book it. Just kidding. 
Eh, no, it's going to be Sting versus Undertaker. Oh, wait. That's just our oh. personal opinion. That's crazy talk. Of course, of course that's, that's who you want to see fight The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I know my opinion on who I want to see fight The Undertaker at WrestleMania is completely different from that. And I'm probably going to, you know, people are going to just say I'm crazy. And they'll probably fit me for a straight jacket when I say that I would love to see The Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Uh, the smart money would be on John Cena. John Cena versus The Undertaker. Because so many people... See, but... They can take that, have John Cena beat The Undertaker in his retirement match, and turn him heel. If they do that, I'm not completely against it. I've been holding my breath on a John Cena heel turn for about... Uh, seven years now, you know, because it was heel Cena. He was that supposed got me. to. Heel Cena was the reason why I actually got back into professional wrestling after a two-year hiatus. Thank you, Vince McMahon and Stone Cold, for that two-year hiatus. But um, it was it was the like I said, the freestyling, throwback jersey wearing, bike chain rocking, white boy from West Newbury, Massachusetts, that got. Bobby the Brain lives back into professional wrestling. So, obviously, I would like to see it again. But, either way, um, don't really want to get into so, WrestleMania too much right now. I apologize. So, I mean, with Rob being so, so much of a nothing show, maybe we, maybe we should move on to, like, NXT or wow, something. Wow, you just like called that. Raw a nothing show. Yeah, it's Is, it, is it because of the fact that we, we put on Raw at 8 o'clock and we watched it for about six and a half hours, and the next thing we know it's 8.13? Yes. <laughs> we got uh, to see Braun Strowman squash another guy in that that was fun. What do you mean another guy? He took on the Mile High Finest. He took on three guys. The Mile High Trio. And you know, afterwards he was he was again complaining about the lack of talent that they're throwing his way and of all people for some strange reason Sammy, Sammy Zayn came out and decided that he wanted to Get into Strowman's face. I don't know why anybody would be dumb enough to do that, but either way, he's got two hands. He's got no fighting chance. Honestly, I think with uh, with Braun Strowman, what they really should do is, if you want Braun Strowman to have a legit match against a guy where he really is not necessarily the the odds-on favorite. Put him against Big Show. I don't. I don't love the. I don't think the match would be great. But if if you're trying to get this guy over as a monster, <laughs> you have him beat the Big Show. He's, he's, that match wouldn't just be great. It'd be good and terrible. <laughs> I mean, you can't have him uh, quite do what Big Boss Man did back in the day, where. But that's but we're ta you're talking about the Attitude Era. Attitude Era got buried when John Cena became the hustle, loyalty, respect, bigoty bitch who wears the Fruity Pebbles shirts every week. That's that's when when stuff like that with what they did with the Big Boss Man, the Big Show, that shit would not fly now. Well, excuse me. But I think if you want this guy to get the respect and get the accolades and get the push that he needs. Sami Zayn should not be going against this guy. Sami Zayn deserves better than this. I agree. Uh, Braun Strowman 
should not run over Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn has been just too good for too long at performing, and it, it's just weird how they kind of put him to the side for now. I think Braun Strowman against a guy like the Big Show would be just a good opportunity to take him to the next level. Another thing that was brought up on our Twitter feed uh, was somebody brought up that they should do a Mark Henry versus Braun Strowman thing. Not a terrible idea. Mark Henry did actually have a match on Raw this week. Kind of like one of those filler things like, all right, well, we got three hours to kill, so what are we going to do? Oh, I have an idea. Let's have Titus O'Neil team up with the Shining Stars or the Shooting Stars or whatever the hell they're freaking called now. The, the tag team formerly known as the Los Matadores. To go up against the I, Golden I like Truth. To, I like to and, call them timeshare salesmen. Against the Golden Truth and Mark Henry, also known as the Stable Over 40 Club. And it was a pretty unwatchable match. as pretty much almost every match on Raw is kind of unwatchable these days. And Mark Henry, I believe, got the World's Strongest Slam on Titus O'Neil, if I'm not mistaken, and got the got the victory for them. So, I mean, Mark Henry did actually have a match. I think it was his first one since the draft, which is kind of sad and pathetic. But, yeah, Mark Henry versus Strowman would make as much sense as him in the big show. Uh, More sense than the Sami Zayn thing. thing. (laughs) thing. (laughs) Hey, you you know what? Somebody wants said that they wanted Titus to get suspended so he could go to the Indies. You, you know what? Reference's arm. I, oh, my I God. Met... Tell me his, his Twitter name is Original Jimmy 24 Oh, my God. Titus, I met the dude once. He was absolutely hilarious and was a cool dude. Uh, he has a lot of character in there. I wish they would let him... Let him be himself on on camera. Thank you. Thank you for the follow. Uh, but I wish they would let Titus be himself. Like if, uh, a month, month and a half ago, you could tell he had this scripted promo and just freaking blew it. It was the worst promo probably on Raw in... I don't know if I'd say raw history, but like last 10 years, worst promo. Titus is really good as far as developing character. He's not great in the ring, but... The only good thing about Titus O'Neil is that stupid bark that he does or grunt or whatever the hell. That's the only good thing about him. And because that's the only thing that people can relate to. Obviously, he is an incredible person for what he does outside of the ring with the, you know, helping out the kids and dealing with the bullying stuff and all the outside promotions that he does for the WWE. Can't take that away from him just as an in-ring performer. Really? That's all I'm going to say. So, on to NXT, as Bill Belichick would say. On to NXT. Brown to Chicago. We're not. We're not Cincinnati, by the way. Just, just saying. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, NXT. 
we we actually had a lot of stuff this week uh, with NXT with the Dusty Classic. Uh, Dusty Classic, you had uh, Rich look Swan at our versus and Jose, not the No Way Jose. No Way Jose versus Tony Nese and Drew Gulak. Very entertaining match, to say the least. Yeah, you're going to show people the, the notes that we have. Yes, we are very old school. Heaven forbid that we can actually just use our phones with the notebooks to leave our notes on. No, it's just easier for us to to write it down and read it and all that stuff for us to do the podcast. Very entertaining match. Well, you know, both No Way Jose and Rich Swan, they're really great at crowd par- participation, getting them into the match. And both those guys, they're very solid in the ring. Tony Nese, honestly, despite the fact that they constantly have him building up other people, to me, between NXT, between him being there and on the cruiserweights on Monday Night Raw, this guy is going to be the cruiserweight champion, I think, sooner rather than later. I don't know if it's going to be next couple of months but within the the next year Tony Nese should have the cruiserweight title because the dude just delivers the goods in the ring and is building up the character as we go right now. Isn't that the guy I call Mini Sandow? Yes. Is that going to be our next bet between Ja Rule and Bobby the Brainless? Who's going to win the Cruiserweight title first between Tony Nese and my boy Cedric Alexander? Maybe we can make something you know, something like that happen. I'm not. I'm, I'll, tell right. you, I'll tell you right now, I'm not eating sour cream again. You love sour cream. I, 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 I loved sour cream. You I love it. <laughs> All right, wait, 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 wait. All right, from from our Twitter feed, is this the the current Sin Cara or, or or the one that kept on fucking up all the time? Oh, 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 oh! I feel like Bobby the Brain when when Tony Schiavone said that Hacksaw Jim, Jim Duggan was an intelligent t- man. Sin is gonna win. <laughs> The Cruiserweight title. <laughs> Absolutely. Sin Cara oh win, wins at WrestleMania. <laughs> this is... <laughs> So much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, give me a second. Uh, All right, so I'm going to talk about some serious stuff here. Sin Cara... Oh, oh, look at that. That's a great, great idea. Sin Cara versus Roman Reigns. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm crying. I'm actually crying. I'm laughing so hard. I'm crying. Oh god. That's fantastic. Oh. Sankara versus Roman Reigns. Tell me tell me that Hacksaw Jim Duncan is an intelligent man who's a hey. college graduate. Hey <laughs> you, you know what I think would be spectacular? We have Sankara versus Roman Reigns with Hacksaw Jim Duggan as the guest referee. 
smartest referee ever. <laughs> ever. Oh god. oh god. Okay. I'll be okay. Give me a second. Oh my god. All right. All right. So, oh, god. Uh, NXT. <laughs> okay, um, I'll be I'll be fine. <laughs> NXT, they, they, I think they did a pretty good job there building up uh, Joe and Nakamura there. They showed a, a little bit of a Joe and Nakamura video package showing what has gone on uh, with Joe beating the crap out of Nakamura, injuring him in Nakamura last week, uh, leveling Joe. Good stuff. Oh, man. And What do you think about that? Oh, God. Oh. Okay. Um Having Nakamura back from the injury, obviously they were talking like six to 12 weeks that he was going to be out with the injury with his neck. Coming out last week and attacking Joe the way he did, fantastic build-up to their match that's going to happen at NXT TakeOver in Toronto. Nakamura came out, cut a promo at the end of NXT, talking about Joe. I'll eat anything that, any words that freaking Nakamura comes out with. Love the guy. One of my favorite in-ring performers. I know I said to you this week, and you agreed with me, would love at some point down the road, specifically at WrestleMania, excuse me, to see a Nakamura versus AJ Styles match. I think that match definitely has the capability of stealing the show, no matter what show they're on. They're building up this rivalry good. I thought it was interesting that they had, I don't even remember the guy's name. I apologize. They had uh, or Nakamura versus Lesnar. Patrick be Clark. Patrick Clark. Is that what his name is? Patrick Clark came out. Yeah, and he promptly got his ass kicked by Nakamura. Is, is, is Patrick Clark? Okay, I'm gonna be nice. I'm sorry. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna say what I was gonna say about Patrick Clark. So I'm just gonna. All right. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be that guy, and I'm just not gonna go there. Is Patrick Clark <laughs> Darren Young's boyfriend? <laughs> uh, no. No. Now, uh, one out. thing that I, 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 I'll, I'll say is for this feud, Samoa Joe has been in NXT for a while. I think he has done about all he can do on the NXT roster. Do you think that after TakeOver <laughs> that Samoa Joe will get a call-up? I do. I really do. I think Joe... And what brand do you think he'll be on? I think he's going to be on Raw, personally. And do you think one of the things that they're going to do with uh, I... the the Raw and SmackDown... Specifically, do you think they're going to have like a quote-unquote mystery partner, and do you think Joe would be that mystery partner at Survivor Series? Negative. I think that Joe makes his debut on the main roster during the Royal Rumble. Because you know every year they put a guy on from NXT in the Royal Rumble, i.e. the year they did it with uh, Rusev when he was in the Royal Rumble, even though he was still part of NXT, when he was undefeated. Um, they did the same thing with, oh crap, I can't even think of who did it last year. I'm sorry. And that, that's also a very good possibility that it's the Raw after Survivor Series that he comes out and debuts. Um, but personally, I think that he's going to come out during the Royal Rumble. Kind of like what AJ Styles did, obviously, is a little different of a circumstance. 
um, where he came out as number three, and obviously he's now the face that runs the place on SmackDown as the WWE World Champion. I see that's where Joe comes out is during the Royal Rumble, and then they're on the Raw after that they make the big deal about Joe being there. I think they're building up. Maybe Joe is the guy that goes after Braun Strowman as the legitimate competition that he deals with every single week could lead to him going up against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania if we don't get Bobby Lashley. Well, one thing that I'm not sure of there is right now Samoa Joe, obviously main roster could be different. Samoa Joe is a heel right now. Him going against Braun Strowman, who is a heel right now, doesn't you know quite make sense for, for me. But I think Samoa Joe building up against Brock Lesnar, who Brock Lesnar is not necessarily a good guy or a bad guy. He's a tweener. He's uh, a beast. He He's a beast, but, like, the crowd cheers him. So I, I guess he he's he's a face. But really, there there's nothing defined about him. Him going against Joe makes sense. Him going... Joe going against Braun Strowman, if you're trying to build up Braun, people don't know, people on the main roster don't know who Samoa Joe is, like as far as the casual wrestling fan, I should say, might not necessarily know who Samoa Joe is, Samoa Joe is, he needs to be built up there, where you know, basically, you would have two unknowns where you got Braun Strowman, who has not really faced anybody on his own. Sin Cara is his, like, claim to fame and future cruiserweight champion, Sin Cara. <laughs> right? Um, you know what? And the thing about Braun Strowman, since you brought it up, we still haven't gotten our Man Scout versus Braun Strowman match. The Man Scout versus Braun Strowman will be epic. The greatest match in Monday Night Raw history. Perhaps. Better than the Flair against Mr. Perfect match, where the loser left town. Better than Mick Foley winning the WWE World Championship? Absolutely. Without wow. a doubt. Man wow. Scout. Man Scout is always prepared. He has two good hands. He will light a campfire under that damn Sasquatch, and he will take it to him. And you can't teach that. And somehow we're going to end up back talking about NXT. I mean, really, what else was there on NXT? To, I mean, we talked hey, about we the had Dusty glorious Roo things. We had glorious things happen on NXT. We had Bobby Roode. How did I know you were going to go with Bobby Roode when you said glorious? Who knows? <laughs> but Bobby Roode, you know what? Honestly, anytime that dude ends up on camera on NXT, I just love it. I'm I'm a Bobby Roode mark. The dude is very solid in the ring, but his character and his song are just absolutely spectacular. Uh I would love to see Bobby Roode up on the main roster, but I just think that he is something that is... They need him down at NXT for a little bit of time, honestly. Does this make me a mark? What? The fact that I have Bobby Roode's entrance on my uh, iPhone. 
our our podcast is the fucking marks. Of course, you're I'm a just, mark. I'm just asking simple questions. It's glorious that you have that as your theme song. And his, it, it's not my theme song. It's just I. It, I no, I, it is your theme song. I heard you wake up to that the other morning. Just because I blast that song every day when I get out of work on my way home, it's because it's such a glorious moment when I get out of work and I don't have to be at work. And I just, yes, I'm a mark. I don't, I don't care. I, I, I've, 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 I've accepted the fact that I'm a mark. Right. The fact that I sold Stevie Richards a wrong battery for his portable DVD player and I didn't even have the heart to tell him makes me a mark. True. The fact that I met The Undertaker right before WrestleMania 11, and 21, 21 years ago. No, I was in Bristol when I met The Undertaker. WrestleMania 11 was in Hartford. Yes. Strowman I, I love that you have Braun Strowman theme as your ringtone. I would love to have Braun Strowman's theme. I tried getting Enzo and Big Cass's to be my ringtone, but for whatever reason, it won't just it just won't let me do it from the song I downloaded because that's no. that's. Just a fantastic entrance, but uh, yeah. Anyway, let's get back on. Let's well, get back on 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 track a little bit here. Well, one big thing that happened during NXT is we had the debut of Roderick Strong. He was the mystery uh, partner of Austin Aries uh, uh, and, for and, the, and the tag team tournament for Dusty, Dusty Classic, and uh, they went against Otis and Tucker, both freaking big guys. Honestly, like they they had a move at one point where I was fearing for the life. Uh, I don't remember if it happened to Aries or if it happened to Strong, but they pancaked the dude. Both guys. I think it was Aries. You know, you know, between probably like three twenty and three eighty. Two guys you definitely want to take to an all-you-can-eat buffet as your as your partners or. See how they could fare in the uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest in July. You you definitely want to see how much these guys could eat. I can out-eat them. Sure. I can. Maybe that's your stupid human trick. I'm it. not going to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet and try to out-eat these two guys. I don't you have that kind of money. You just said you would. Yeah, but that's, that's, you're going to put me on the spot. I hate being on the spot. And then I get nervous, and then my appetite disappears. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, and speaking of things that I'm, I'm very disappointed about with this podcast for today, I forgot to buy a cupcake because I was actually going to buy a cupcake and eat it during the podcast. And while I was eating it, I was going to give Captain them. Cupcake. I was going to give the middle finger to Kevin Owens, aka Captain Cupcake, who still has blocked us after over. We're going to be blocked forever by that jackass. And Bobby the Brainless, on his personal account, actually blocked Kevin Owens. So, Kevin Owens, I hope you're watching. I hope you're listening. I hope you can hear everything I say. I blocked you. How does it feel? doesn't feel good, does it? To get blocked by somebody. You think about that the next time you block somebody. All right. So, we had Aries and we had Roderick Strong. Uh, I think they went over, uh, pardon the expression, they went over Strong in this match. They looked good, uh, went against a couple of dudes bigger than them, but really good, solid work, pretty good match. You know, that sounds so terrible in the mic. It does. Uh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with you. They definitely they look good. There was points where we actually thought that the two uh, buffet bashers were gonna win that match and everything and, and move on. Bashers. And um, I, you know, Roderick Strong looked good in his debut. It's gonna be interesting to see how far they go in the uh, Dusty Rhodes Classic. We did bring up Rich Swan and No Way Jose. They did go over on who the hell did they fight? Gulak and Nice. Uh, and I think they're running into the authors of pain. They're basically running into a bandsaw in the second round. The team that you picked to win the Dusty Rhodes Classic tournament, I'm kind of there with you on that one. I'm sorry. It's we saw them at NXT in Norfolk. They had a great match against uh, TM61. Definitely could see them winning it. If it's not them, it's going to be the Revival. Or maybe it's Kota or maybe and TJ Perkins, all we know. Any, anything's possible, as Vince McMahon says, anything's possible in WWE. So, the, Believe so, that. Right. So one thing that they've been doing with NXT lately is they've been trying to rebuild the women's division. Because really, Asuka is the one standout. They, they have Ember Moon, but... Ember Moon has not been on the last couple of weeks, so they've been doing things with Peyton Royce. They've been doing things with Billy Kay. They've also been doing things. Uh, they had like Nikki Cross going against uh, Danielle Camella, and you know what? She looked really strong. Uh, Carmella, Camella, Camella, Danielle Camella. Yes, because this sounded like you said Carmella, and she's on SmackDown beating the shit out of Nikki Bella. Mm-hmm. So I'm just one. I just just make sure. I said, Camilla, I just I just want to have make another sure. drink. That's not a terrible idea either. But you know, with me, I I'm just happy with Sanity because Eric Young is part of Sanity, and as a fucking mark, any Eric Young is better than no Eric Young in WWE. Well, the thing with Sanity is the he belongs external, in Sanity. Their external uh, look as they come down to the ring reminds me of Aces and Eights from TNA. It's all right. I, I enjoyed uh, Aces and Eights. Uh, WWE audience probably is not familiar with them, so good times. Definitely agree with you. They are trying to build up the women's division once again um, with Asuka being the beast. Uh <laughs> I got. I got to stop seeing some of these tweets. They're just fantastic. I'm sorry. Um, I think what they did with the whole Billy Kay and um, the other hot one. What the hell is her name? Well, there's Peyton Royce. That's it. And that's her name, Peyton Liv Royce. Morgan. Liv Morgan. Yeah, where they attacked Liv Morgan outside. They both basically kicked her in the face and was like, "This is our division. This is we're what we're gonna run." Yeah, you guys are gonna run into that. You know, to Asuka, and she's just going to tear you guys a new one, and, you know, and that's going to be it, and nobody's going to hear from you again until Asuka goes up to the main roster. And I don't think Asuka's th- going to the main roster anytime soon. They need somebody credible down there. They, they've got nobody credi- credible beside her, Ember Moon. They're beginning to build up. They've I didn't been say building it. up Billy Kay. They've I, been bil- building up Peyton Royce. They've been building up Liv Morgan. So, like, these different women characters are definitely going up, going up, going up just a little bit. It, but it takes t- 
time to build these things. I mean, NXT wasn't built in the day it started as FCW. Neither was Rome. And, and it, I just think they're going to need to take their sweet time, and they really need to cultivate this group of women that they have down there to make them feel legitimate. That's why they bring Mickey James in for NXT TakeOver in Toronto, because they don't have anybody where you feel like, eh, maybe Asuka's going to lose. Mickey James, you know, former women's champion, feels like, you know what, maybe she can beat her. Obviously, She's not going to beat her. This is something they're using to build up Asuka even more, but you actually give the division a little bit more time to build up. So, By the way, Asuka rejected my advances of taking her out for alcohol after NXT Norfolk. I almost feel like I should block her too. Sorry. But I do agree with you. It's it's going to be interesting. You know, Like, like you said, Mickie James is going to be fighting her at NXT TakeOver. Obviously, it's going to build up for her to be a stronger character. Eventually, they will build up Ember Moon to be the person that ends up beating Asuka. I just, I think, in I my think heart that's going to happen WrestleMania weekend. I think. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's enough with the. Uh... So N- NXT overall, I think, really good show this week. They, they. Typically, they're the best show of the week when it comes to Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Well, it's one hour, so they don't have too much time to screw things up. And, you know, and I can I can go on and on about how Sanity was this week on NXT, but I don't think anybody wants to hear me go on and on about one of my personal favorites from TNA, Eric Young. I think it's a great thing. He's, he's in charge of a group with a bunch of young kids. They can learn a lot from him as an in-ring performer and as a mic performing guy. Love the idea of the whole sanity thing. Think the sky's the limit with those guys down in TNA, or I'm sorry, in NXT. Um, Nikki Cross did go over on Camella, Kamala, whoever it was, and she went over Danielle Camella, and she did beat her. And then after the bell rang, she beat the snot out of her again, so the referee reversed the Well, decision. and then she ended up smacking the crap out of Eric Young, too. I'm going to kill that bitch. So. <laughs> but, you, you know, it's an interesting faction. I think they have a, a lot of things that they could do. I agree. Thanks for tuning in. What, what, one of our Twitter Thank uh, you. people watching on Twitter enjoyed our show. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Follow us. We'll be on every Saturday night. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully until until Bobby the Brainless, you know, does something stupid. All right, so uh, let's move on to SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live, I, I think probably overall was probably the best show of the week from WWE. I agree. Um, I'm just going to talk about the one thing that really caught my attention on SmackDown this week. That's Alexa Bliss. Dressed up, up as Freddy Krueger. Dressed up as Freddy Krueger. My God, I would love for her to haunt my dreams. I really would. You know, Alexa has really been building this character. I think they they dropped the ball a little bit when they had her lose to Naomi, you know, at the pay-per-view a few Agreed. weeks ago. I'm, I don't think they're going to have Becky Lynch lose to Alexa, but I think as far as building character... As far as performance in the ring, Alexa really has been bringing her A game. She's improved so much. 
I agree with you. She's definitely the one person in the women's division on SmackDown whose character has evolved. Not to discount anything that's going on with with Carmella. Or She's, Naomi. Or Naomi, even. They're doing everything right with the women's division on SmackDown. Alexa Bliss got a victory over Naomi, heading into her rivalry with Becky Lynch when she comes back with, from the injury for the women's title. I personally can see her beating Becky Lynch in uh, Scotland. Is that where they're yeah, having the match? It's going to be in Scotland, Glasgow. I, I can definitely see her beating her. I think you and I kind of differentiate on that. I also can see, obviously, I can also see Becky Lynch winning it. But I love what they're doing with the women's division on SmackDown. They're giving them an opportunity. You got somebody like Carmella who who came up as a face because she was with Enzo and Big Cass for a long time. Now she's become a heel. She also cut a fantastic promo on SmackDown this week. What really stuck out for me was that promo that she cut with Nikki Bella, where she was basically saying that Nikki got her foot in the door with the company because of who her sister was and got to the fame that she has because her boyfriend is John Cena. Thought it was excellent. Obviously, we're talking about, I'm sorry, we're talking about Alexa Bliss. I'm just, I've been having dreams about well, Alexa we're, Bliss we're, every night. We're talking night. in general about the women's division and, and how they built that. We talked a little bit earlier about how SmackDown really has several storylines that are kind of important to the show that they built up really well, where Raw really has built up like kind of one storyline, or, or, or I'd say one and a half storylines. One and a so half percent? We have a few different storylines with the women that seem important right now and personally for me I prefer having the storylines where you're you, you've got multiple things going on but you're building up several people at once because you know thinking back to specifically the Attitude Era you had five six seven eight guys that could have been a legitimate threat to anybody at any night. You had Foley, you had The Rock, you had Stone Cold, you had Triple H, you had The Undertaker. They're, you uh, had Kurt Angle. You, yeah, Kurt Angle. The you Olympic had, gold medalist. You had all these guys that were legitimate threats where right now, you know, they're building up this women's division where you have several legitimate threats on SmackDown, where right now on Raw, you really have Charlotte, Becky, or I'm sorry, Charlotte, Bailey, and uh, uh, what's her face? Sasha Banks. And eventually Nia Jax. Right. But as far as, like, actual storylines go, Nia Jax does not have a storyline. She doesn't really have a character outside of just being... A, a the female big, version of Braun Strowman. Right. She doesn't have much of a character where all of the women on SmackDown feel like they have a distinct character and I think really just emphasizes how more broad-reaching that division is. And again, it's a two-hour show versus a three-hour show, and somehow they, they fit more character building in, in this two-hour show, despite the fact that they go on for a half-hour with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt doing, like, the hide-and-seek thing. Or how this week was where it was Randy Orton versus Luke Harper, and Bray Luke Wyatt... Luke Harper disappeared, and... Luke Harper didn't disappear. 
They both disappeared. They disappeared, and Kane reappeared, and there, there was, was like a, a casket, casket going on. It, it it was fantastic. I'm sorry. Bray Wyatt on TV is better than no Bray Wyatt on the TV. He is a very talented individual for the company. Really do think he should have been champion by now. Don't like the fact that he's going to a WrestleMania, but that's neither here nor there. I The whole thing with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt has been fantastic. Clearly, they main-evented the pay-per-view that they were in. It was No Mercy. No Mercy. That they main-evented. They also main-evented the Raw afterwards. They led off the Raw with Randy Orton versus Smackdown. Luke. Smackdown. Fuck. Smackdown. Well, you know what? With these guys, like, I haven't been completely in with some of their little, like, stories that they have. Some of the stories have gone on for me a little bit too long as far as the show goes. The show shouldn't be completely revolving around, you know, hide-and-seek where Orton's looking for him. Uh, again, that's my taste. I think overall, the storyline has been good for both of them. A uh, little bit different shade of Randy Orton, a bit different of a shade of Bray Wyatt. I think in the end, they're going to do the right thing. They're going to have Bray Wyatt go over and finish off this feud strong, which is something that they really haven't done with him yet. You know, he ended up losing overall, I think, to Cena. And I think same thing happened with Roman Reigns. The only one he actually went over on was Jericho a couple of years ago. But when you keep on having him lose to the top top tier guys you can't ever really feel like he is a legitimate threat. I think after this, he beats Orton, becomes more of a legitimate threat, even if he loses or wins by, you know, cheating. Disqualification. Things like that. Right. I think this will just help him elevate just a little bit more. I couldn't agree more. I think that this rivalry is really good for Bray Wyatt because you're getting Randy Orton. It's not like Randy Orton's a... A slouch. He's a 12-time world champion. If you put him over against that, who knows? Maybe he gets a shot at, at uh, AJ Styles for the WWE World Championship. Anything is possible. I like Bray Wyatt. He's been one of my favorite characters since he debuted in WWE. Hell, he's been one of my favorite characters that they had since he's been down in NXT and he evolved into the character he was after he was Husky Harris. So, we'll see what happens with this. I'm looking forward to how this rivalry is going to turn out. Excited about their, their match and how it's going to finish up and everything. Do think that Bray Wyatt does go up on top on Randy Orton. And I I I would love to have this rivalry kind of end with kind of a punctuation where it feels like, all right, this is over whether it's like a no-holds-barred match or, you know, false like, count anywhere, something crazy. Right. I, I agree with that. I think it's... Or they can just do it at the compound. The white family compound. All right. Hey, you, you never know. Anything's possible! Sorry. KJ. Yes. KJ and Hondo. Um, also, that happened on Raw was the best match of the Smackdown. Night. You're having a problem with SmackDown and Raw. SmackDown. SmackDown. What was the best match? The six-man tag match between The Miz and the Spirit Squad. 
going up against Dolph Ziggler and Rhino and Heath Slater. Obviously, we saw Rhino absolutely gore somebody from the Spirit Squad in half, but we also saw Kenny from the Spirit Squad getting the pinfall and, and getting the victory for his team. Pretty good match, to say to say the least. Obviously, this whole Miz and Dolph Ziggler thing is fantastic. Love both of those guys. Obviously, not, not quite over yet. And Oh, no. For me, honestly, this is the best feud WWE has been in a few ha, has had in a few years. They've built the personal animosity on screen between these two so well. They've, you know, you're seeing a bit more of Dolph Ziggler with the passion for wrestling that you really haven't gotten to see on TV. You know, they when they didn't have the brand split, they would have Dolph Ziggler do these incredible web-exclusive promos that if you were on WWE.com, you had no idea that they happened. And it's tough when, you know, maybe you get a couple hundred thousand to watch that promo versus the few million that watch Raw or SmackDown week to week. Right. And... Dolph was always kind of known as not a great promo guy. And he's really worked on this stuff. And I think he's been absolutely golden lately with this. And he and Miz, I think, are operating character-wise at the top level of their game right now. Oh, God. With the two of them, they are at the... I've never seen the best... This is the best we've seen of the Miz and of Dolph Ziggler since they debuted in the WWE. This rivalry has been fantastic. You're getting the best out of the Miz. The Miz has been unbelievable since he won the this Intercontinental is the best title. I've seen Miz in the ring. Uh, Dolph, like I'm not going to say the best I've seen him in the ring, but definitely by far the best Miz has been in the ring, and for me the best character for the Miz by far for me the best we've seen of Ziggler as a character. Couldn't agree more. They've just been. Knocking this whole rivalry out of the park. I'm, as a fan, I'm just glad that I'm able to witness this because I'm I'm happy that we're getting the best of Dolph Ziggler and we're getting the best of the Miz because it makes that rivalry that much better. So you know, we end up. I'm wondering if they're going to have the Spirit Squad be one of the tag teams in Survivor Series. I'm wondering if this is going to be again one of those one-off shots where maybe. They end up having the Spirit Squad go for the tag team gold. I'm out of beer, so I'm not even going to talk about the Spirit Squad. But, uh, you know, originally I thought the Spirit Squad was going to be, you know, a relatively short stay for this. I thought this was specifically going to end when the Dolphin Miz thing finished off. But it almost feels like there might be a little bit more legs to that. And I'm wondering if... These guys perform really well, and people react to them. If this is going to result in a longer stay for, uh, is it Mikey and Kenny? Yes. So I'm wondering if this is going to be a longer stay. I don't think they're going to win the titles necessarily, but I think they might be somebody that they have going for the titles at some point. It seems like that's what they're going for. Who the hell knows what they're going for? Maybe they're just here to ruin Dolph Ziggler's life. You never know. 
Uh, also, that happened on SmackDown this week was the main event. And I say that begrudgingly because the main event was James Ellsworth. The man with two hands who has a fighting chance against anybody going one-on-one True. with the WWE World Champion. And you could tell from the tone of my voice how I feel about this. Wrong. Thanks, Donald. Wrong. Um, James Ellsworth going up against AJ Styles for the WWE World Championship. Wrong. Guys like Roddy Roddy Piper. Ravishing Rick Rude. Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect. Paul Orndorff. Paul Orndorff. King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy. Is there anybody else you'd like to add in? Cody Beware. Cody Rhodes. Gold Dust. Razor Ramon. Vader. Who have never held the WWE World Championship. And fucking James Ellsworth gets a title shot. Why can't I have a fucking title shot for the WWE World Championship? Why does freaking James Ellsworth, the guy with no chin? You know, if I shave my beard, I have a fucking chin. I deserve a title shot. He is one of those skinny fat people. That's what um, Mr. JBL said. He is a skinny fat guy. He's not a skinny fat guy. I'm a skinny fat guy because I'm fat and I'm skinny. If that makes any sense. No. I didn't think so. It sounded good to me, though. Well, I mean, we we talked a little bit about this earlier, where having matches like this, it kind of degrades the title. I have, I have no problem with comedy in wrestling. I have a problem with having comedy when it is talking about your most important title. It just makes it feel less important. I know that they're trying to do this to kind of get Dean Ambrose to be under the skin of AJ Styles by doing things to help him, you know, lose to this, uh, as Donald Trump would say, this loser. Jabroni. James Ellsworth. Who's Sean O's favorite wrestler, by the way. The thing is, I just don't totally love where they're going with this. I know that they're trying to extend this feud. They're trying to... Uh, You're really at a loss for words with this whole James Ellsworth thing. I, I am, because I'm kind of conflicted about it. Like, I understand what they're doing. They're trying to extend the feud. But it's just stupid that they're trying to turn it into comedy. I'm glad that you could see it, because I can't see it. I really don't. Like, I want to bang my head against the wall watching James Ellsworth get a WWE World Championship match. They're not completely keeping this thing. Like, literally, you have James Ellsworth getting his ass handed to him by your WWE champion, but it's just keeping on having little shenanigans happening with Dean Ambrose that gets him to win the match. I will say this about James Ellsworth and AJ Styles. He's not terrible in the ring. They actually had, for a guy who's a, a you know an independent superstar who's pretty much a jobber, actually put up a, a, I wouldn't say a great match, but it wasn't a terrible match. John Cena's had worse matches than James Ellsworth has had over the years. 
And Great Kali has and, too. Oh, fuck the Great Kali. There. I said it. Fuck the Great Kali, the worst champion in WWE history. True. In fact, if James Ellsworth had actually beaten AJ Styles for the title, the Great Kali still would have been the worst champion in WWE history. And the Great Kali and that fucking tool bag. Uh, David Arquette. David Arquette would have been the two worst champions in wrestling history. You, you could have had James Ellsworth versus David Arquette at WrestleMania. I would kill myself. I would drink a gallon of bleach and just call it a life, <laughs> if that was the case. But, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't I don't see what they're doing with this match. Obviously, they're waiting for WWE to have Hell in a Cell so they can start building towards the Survivor Series. That's going to be a problem down well, the road the because I think it's a, a, a Raw-only it is, thing. and that's what they're doing, is that SmackDown is pretty much waiting for Raw to finish up because SmackDown doesn't have another pay-per-view until Survivor Series. That's going to be a problem in the long run if that's what it's going to be, where they have a pay-per-view and it's like, all right, well, now we got to wait for the brand split pay-per-views like the Survivor Series and the Royal Rumbles and WrestleManias. I mean, I don't well, think it's going to be that big of a problem with WrestleMania, but it seems like we're only getting this stupidity that we're getting on SmackDown every week. Because of the fact that they have nothing else, and it's like, well, we kind of got to wait for Raw to just do what they're going to do, and then we can build up towards this pay-per-view. I, I certainly could see that. I'm wondering if part of this storyline is going to feed into Survivor Series, where you end up having Dean Ambrose doing something to take out AJ Styles, and then these two are going to have a match at the Royal Rumble. Right. And... Whoever goes over, goes over, but I, I'm going to say right now AJ Styles is going over. AJ Styles will probably not lose the title until WrestleMania, if he I, does. I couldn't agree more. Well, Jay, we talked about Raw, briefly. We talked about, Because it sucked. Yes. We talked about NXT. We talked about SmackDown. We talked about the return of Goldberg this week. Uh, and the downfall of... Impact Wrestling. I was actually going to go there, but I'm glad that you brought it up yourself. Um, we we brought up our markout moments that it was the exact same thing that we did this week. That We're we going to tie with that. So, uh, look at it on the bright side. We can't lose if we have the same markout moment. So this will make us what like six two and two or something like that. Ooh, so, something along like that. that. I, I, I never really think about it, but. This day in history, today, the one thing that we need to bring up today, on October 22nd, 2016, the man, the myth, the legend, third generation superstar, Curtis Axel, 637 days. In the 2015 Royal Rumble. Never eliminated. My God, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer after he's all said and done. Absolutely. Um, and, and with that said, I am Bobby the fucking Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. And... Thanks for tuning in. Mark out with your guac out. See you next week. <laughs>